You are Locked On Indians, your daily Cleveland Indians podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Indians podcast. I'm your host, Jeff Ellis, formerly of 24-7 Sports. Um, they're, getting rid of ba- they're getting rid of baseball, I think I've talked about on the podcast. Um, funny story, I actually was told by someone who does not run one of the baseball sites, but writes for them. Um, and that is how I found out that I was uh, eventually going to lose a job, not through a site runner, not from 24-7, but indirectly because they had forgotten to contact me um, back in December when they were letting that information out. So I understand why, uh, you know, when you're getting rid of baseball, and especially if you are uh, like me on the totem pole there, where you are easy to forget. So that's the funny story. I have a, a piece up kind of explaining my journey to baseball writer has a lot to do with the Indians and uh, what's coming next. So let's dive into the simulation. And then I know I said we we're going to talk about the 1966 draft tonight, but instead we're going to shift focus because we do have some uh, historical uh, news from this day in particular, and that historical news will be enough to fill up more in the whole show. So in the sim, the Cleveland Indians faced the Chicago White Sox. Now, the White Sox, I found to be, in this game, absolutely fascinating um, for a couple of reasons. One, uh, Tequan Forbes was the starting third baseman, and two, Nick DeMonico was the starting left fielder. I was trying to figure out if uh, Eloy Jimenez somehow got hurt in the beginning of the season or what had gone on there. Um, I'm still trying to figure that out at this point in time, if... You know, this is some kind of oversight, and they forgot to put him in the game or what, because I can't even see him on their roster, so that's all very odd to me. But, uh, yeah, that definitely makes things harder if you are the White Sox. And then uh, with their third base situations, you know, Steph having um, Lurie, right, is supposed to be their second baseman until Magical's ready. And then you have uh, Mikado at third, but... Uh, Mikado was at second in this one, but whatever. Let's just go back to the box score. Indians win this one. Uh, Roberto Perez uh, handed it to Dallas Keuchel, who struggled through four innings, gave up eight runs, only four earned. Uh, He had a home run off of him on the game. He went uh, three for three, uh, just teeing off on the lefty. Uh, Another strong multi-hit game by Jose Ramirez. Fran Mo Reyes had two walks, two hits by Carlos Santana who, uh, let's see, Lindor had a hit and two walks. Seven walks total for the Indians in this one. Uh, most of those coming off of Christian Javier, who relieved Dallas Keuchel in the fourth inning and ended up closing out the game for them. Zach Plesak was uh, was very strong on the other side. Seven innings, eight hits, three earned runs, one walk, four K, and a home run. Home run came with uh, two outs in the sixth. He was already tired in game at about 110 pitches. But I had two pitchers in my pen after having talked about the fact that uh, been some long games, especially when I had a reliever starting because they are starting for the Indians. But uh, the, the pen was was badly beat up. James Karinchak comes in and pitches two perfect innings. Uh, he was one of two rested arms, him and Hunter Wood. Uh, Plesak, again, seven innings, three earned runs, 119 pitches. Not the best pitch count. Took a little over three hours, uh, 34 degrees, so it's heating up uh, in Cleveland, according to the Sim. But the Indians are now up to 3-1 and one after losing opening day. So it's been a, a nice little run, and that is the Monday game. 
So on the rest of today's show, we're going to talk about something historically that happened. Um, well, actually, historically happened Monday, but that's when I record the podcast. A Monday historical happening that will be on the Tuesday podcast, and that is the trade of Dennis Eckersley. Um, we'll talk about some of the fallout and some of the interesting things afterwards, but let's just get into it. The Indians drafted Dennis Eckersley in the third round of the 1972 draft, a high school kid out of the Oakland slash uh, San Francisco area. He, of course, went on to become one of the future Hall of Famers, one of the best picks in that draft, in the 1972 draft. The uh, interesting with him is he debuted at just 20 years of age, drafted in uh, 72 and 75. He's in the majors. Um, he is dynamite that first year. I mean, he's really good all through his years in Cleveland. Um, I know there's some talk that in Boston, he had up and downs, but like you go through those Boston years and, um, outside of 83, he's at least a league average pitcher, if not above almost every one of those years. So, uh, but from 75 through 79, he is uh, stellar. And I was uh, watching a, a thing in preparation for this that ESPN had done on him, uh, Sports Century, where it talked about the fact that uh, the front office didn't actually want to break camp with Eckersley. They wanted, you know, probably keep him down a little bit longer. He was young, manipulated service time, and Frank Robinson insisted that he bring camp with the Indians. And, you know, from there, like I said, it's just stellar his first three years in cleveland uh he very much uh makes frank robinson look uh, incredibly intelligent with that pick the indians had the second overall pick that year uh fun fact that second round third round where he was taken gary carter would go to the expos in that third round if you're gonna look into the second round names to know uh bob kepner dennis leonard john candelara Bruce Bochy, uh, Tom Underwood, and Ellis Valentin stand out for players who had high value. Uh, in terms of the Indians, that second round, they took Bob Grossman. Uh, the first round, the Indians had the second overall pick, and that's when they took Rick Manning. Manning actually has the third highest war of any of the first round picks that signed that year. Chet Lemon, uh, the best value, followed by Scott McGregor. Uh, Dick Ruthven did not sign, even though he was the eighth overall pick to the Twins. And after Manning came uh, Larry Christensen and Bob Roy Howell. Uh, Dave Chalk also put up some uh, some higher values in this one. Dave Roberts was the first overall pick. Didn't work out for the Padres, but uh, Manning was a shortstop, and it is of course uh, Manning and Dennis Eckersley. Names that will forever go together. And part of the reason why I kind of feel like the Dennis Eckersley trade, I mean, on top of just being one of the worst trades in Indians history because of value given up and value received, also just cast a pall. Uh, if you believe in karma, this is a trade that uh, still haunts the Indians to this day, I think. Uh, we'll get all into all of that right after a quick message from our sponsors. And we have two of them today, so that's kind of awesome for us. Uh, from your early morning breakfast burrito to a 12-pack of beers while you watch the game. Sometimes you need what you need delivered fast, and that's where Postmates comes in. Uh, you know, right now, <laughs> Postmates is the perfect thing to use uh, with everything else going on. Postmates brings you what you need when you need it uh, to your door. Uh, it's especially great if you are someone who 
I've talked about this before. If you are living by yourself, uh, if you're a single person and you're not feeling well, you don't want to drive out and get uh, medication, uh, something over the counter that can help you feel better. That is, that's where Postmates can can kind of stand out, go get you that thing for your indigestion or help you uh, get some food because you're not feeling great. This is where Postmates really stands out. So just download the Postmates apps for Postmate app, I should say, for iOS or Android. Find your favorites. Get anything you want delivered within the hour. And for a limited time, Postmates is giving our listeners $100 of free delivery credit for the first seven days. To start your free deliveries, download the app and use the code Locked On. The code Locked On you'll be using for $100 of free delivery credit with no minimum purchase for the first seven days you download the Postmates app. Anything you need, anytime you need it, Postmates. Take advantage of it now. Seven days. Use that 100 Our other one has been our current uh, very friendly and great sponsor, Withings. Uh, do you hate stepping on the scale? Maybe it's because you haven't met the right one. A company called Withings produced the world's first smart scale, and they are still the best. Rated that way by Tom's Guide, who rated the Body Plus the best overall smart scale of 2020. If you're looking to lose weight, you need all sorts of tools. One of the tools right at your feet would be the Withings smart scale. Um, it's a really user-friendly device. You step on, and data from every way in syncs automatically to the free app for iOS and Android via Wi-Fi or Bluetooth. Lots of smart scales don't have Wi-Fi, and that means you have to have your phone on you. But with the Withings Body Plus, it gives weight, full body composition, weight trend, and even the local weather. The scale can support up to eight users, and it knows who is who. That's how smart it is. So here's our deal. You get 25% off a Withings Body Plus right now at withings.com for a very limited time. Go to withings.com, W-I-T-H-I-N-G-S.com slash MLB to get 25% off the Body Plus composition scale. That's W-I-T-H-I-N-G-S.com slash MLB to get 25% off the Body composition scale. I think they're our sponsor through the end of the week, so get on this. Um, if you if you've been heen or han, you, you've got like a week to get that uh, that order in. So let's talk about Dennis Eckersley. Um, we've talked about again uh, exceptional player early in his Indians career. If you just want to look at Baseball Reference WAR, uh, first year twenty four game twenty four starts thirty four games five point three two point nine five point one. Goes to Boston, posts a 7.3 and a 7.2 in back-to-back years. Um, does have some negatives in there uh, in 81, so the war value actually is not as high on him, and you start to see some of those issues that are arising. We'll get into that. But it doesn't change the fact that he is just finished his age 22 season, and he's had two five-war seasons, and the Indians are trading him away. Why are the Indians trading him away? Well, uh, the first player taken in that draft uh rick manning had had a back injury and since eckersley and manning you know were taken in the same draft uh came up through the minors together and were really good friends best friends at the time uh dennis and his wife uh hosted manning who stayed on their couch um and dennis's first wife denise who he had had a kid with uh left Dennis Eckersley for Rick Manning and that's who Rick Manning is married to and uh, has had his family with and that you know it worked out and you know Dennis or Dennis Eckersley remarried and then uh that after time that you know he's he's on his third marriage right now 
Uh, and at the time, you know, he was uh, had some problems with alcohol abuse, and he probably wasn't the easiest person necessarily to be around. But it doesn't change the fact that um, the Indians wanted to avoid a scandal. They knew this had happened. And instead of trading the adulterer, the guy who stole his teammate's wife, they traded the guy whose wife got stolen. Uh, like I said, the, the bad karma to that, and the fact that to this very day, Rick Manning's the TV guy, uh, did one of the worst things a teammate can do, one of the things that would make you one of the biggest prize in your own clubhouse, and he is one of the voices of the Cleveland Indians. And that is why I say if you believe in karma, um, we are still haunted by the bad karma of this trade, where a guy gets his heart broken, and we trade him and keep the philanderer. And by we, I mean the Indians, even though that happened long before I was alive. Uh, so yeah, that's that's kind of the funny story behind it. One of those things that always stands out to me. And so the Indians trade Dennis Eckersley along with Fred Kendall. Fred Kendall was a basically a backup catcher. He'd bounced around for a while. Um, for the Indians that year, he had or the year before he had started or played in 103 games. Uh, he was useful in that role. The reason the Indians were getting that backup catcher was Boston was trading their backup catcher in the deal, Bo Diaz, or a guy that they probably thought was going to be. Um, if not for Bo Diaz, uh, Dennis Eckersley would appear in more games after this trade than the other four pieces the Indians got combined. The Indians got, or I'm sorry, the other three pieces. The Indians got a total of four pieces in this deal. And Eckersley, a guy who was a starter for a good chunk of his, of his career, appeared in more games than the uh, the other three combined by a significant margin. Diaz was definitely the best piece. He had a 13-year major league career, almost entirely as a backup. Um, in, with Cleveland, he was there from 78 to 81. He made an all-star game in 81, a career 255 hitter for some reason. I mean, he only appeared in 63 games that year, but he hit 313. Um for the Indians that year, 359, 5, uh, 533 slugging. It was a 156 uh, OPS plus. The next year, with uh, at age 28 with Philadelphia, you have a 115 OPS plus. Before, I mean, the only other the pre the for the entire rest of his career, the highest he gets is a 92. So those two years are just these massive, massive outliers. Um, you go and you look at the data, and he gets traded in 81 and a three-teamer. Um, so the Phillies sent Lonnie Smith to the Cardinals. The Cardinals sent Silvio Martinez and Larry Sornston to the Indians. And the Phillies sent uh, Scott uh, Munninghoff to the Indians in that deal. And uh, Diaz would then take over the starting role for the Philadelphia Phillies. If you were like me and those other names are not ringing a bell, um, I mentioned that was in, like, what 81 i believe that trade was um yes so in 81 silvio martinez uh pitched in the majors from 77 to 81 uh he actually was relatively effective as a starter in 81 but uh would not not make it back with the indians uh he would pitch in uh only 16 innings in triple a that year at age 26 so and then just kind of faded out after that pitches four games in the minors uh, age 26 was also how old Larry Sorenston was in his one year, uh, sorry, two years when he came to Cleveland was 26, 27, not very good at 26 and 82, 83. He was all right. A fifth starter type. Um, but the Indians, you know, flipped their catcher, helped the Cardinals get a, a cornerstone, uh, MVP candidate for them. And they got two starters, 
Um, Sorensen did make an all-star team, but that was way back in 78 when he was with uh, the Brewers. So not the best piece. They flipped for uh, some parts and pieces that didn't do anything. Uh, Muffinghoff was a former first-round pick from Ohio who, uh, who went to Purcell Marion, uh, who got a cup of coffee in the majors with the Phillies in 80, but that was it for him. So the other parts and pieces in the deal, uh, Mike Paxton came over, and his first year he was all right. Uh, back-end guy for the Indians in 78. Had a, some more uh, wor- starts working out of the pen in 79. 80 got to appear in seven innings, and that was it for him at age 26. So that is three guys changed, uh, connected to this Eckersley deal who all saw their career end at 26, which is interesting. Um Let's keep going. Uh, we talked about Fred Kendall already. I can close that window. Ted Cox. Ted Cox is a name I've known, and for some reason in my mind, I thought he had lasted longer than this. Like he has. There's no reason I should really think about Ted Cox. Uh, played in 78 and 79 for the Indians, both before I was alive. Uh, OPS plus of 60 and 56. OPS of 563 and 579. Part-time guy. Those would be pretty much his career high seasons. Um not much for Ted Cox as a negative 1.6 war. Uh, that's probably all we need to say there. And then Rick Wise, maybe the centerpiece of this deal. I don't know if there was one when I look at the, the players involved, but whatever. Rick Wise was a two-time All-Star. Um, the year before with Boston, he had been average at best. Two years before that, he had been a stretch of average to above average. Um you know, he, he finished eighth in the Cy Young because he won 19 games in 75. He came to Cleveland and uh, first year, pretty terrible in 78. 79, he was actually uh, a pretty steady performer for the Indians. Uh, he was uh, 34 games, ERA under four. His FIP was a 404 and ERA plus a 115. Good performance for him in year two, but he was also uh, 32 and 33 in those two seasons. So he was already nearing the end. Um, Granted, free agency go on to sign with the uh, San Diego Padres. It is interesting when you look at him. His most similar age scores at 27, 29, 30, and 31. All Dennis Eckersley, the man he was traded for. So as mentioned, Eckersley goes to Boston and through about age 27, he's fantastic. Uh, really, that his con- the amazing control that had become his hallmark was already in place. He just never walked anyone for a good percentage of his career started to run into some trouble around that time saw the numbers dip gets traded to the cubs um another interesting thing is going through the data uh dennis eckerley had been traded four times the latest he has ever traded was may um the indians trade was march 30th when he was tra- traded to the uh cubs for bill buckner in 84 that was in at the end of may when the cubs traded him to the athletics that was in april when the athletics traded him to the cardinals because tony la had gone there to coach that was a february deal so for someone who played as long as he did and was traded four separate times uh it's kind of amazing that m- never even june or later for him at least for me that was something that stood out as oh that's interesting so he goes to the cubs and um it's you know nothing special in that time if anything I mean, he does, okay, so from, he has that good year in 82, 81 is a bit of struggle, 83 is not good, 84 is is not strong, he gets traded mid-year though, and pitches well for the Cubs in 84, 85 he pitches well again for the Cubs, 
86. Uh, it's another one of those years that he's starting to regress again. He does pitch in 201 innings. That's the thing. He was never, even as a starter, a high innings guy outside of those early, early years. So he gets traded to Oakland and immediately gets converted to a relief role in 87, his first year's reliever, 115 innings in 54 games. So it's it's a different era. And you jump to 88, and that's when we start seeing, you know, the unflappable reliever that goes on to, you know, win the Cy Young and the MVP. 1992 at age 37 when he does that. Uh, an ERA of one... Uh, one oh, I'm looking at the wrong area here. Uh, yeah, 191. Uh, he appeared uh, in 65 games, 51 saves, 10.5 strikeouts per nine, 1.2 walks, uh, and he was dominant. I, I, we all remember the Eck of the early 90s. He After that 92 season, you start to see the usage and wear. Like He's not quite as dominant those next few years. The ERAs, you know, after you look at 90, I mean, for as much as people talk about the the uh, 92 season in 90, it's a .61 ERA, uh, nine strikeouts per uh, per nine. So the strikeouts put up point a half a walk, .2 for the home run rate, five for the hit rate, and then as we see as he's you know after that age 37 year, his age 38, the the home run rate starts to creep up on him. He goes to St. Louis. I mean, he's still effective. He's just not quite the dominant player he was in the past at age 41 and 42 goes to Boston to finish it out pitches in 50 games that year um he's okay you know he's a, an average-ish pitcher when you look at the numbers through the 39 uh, innings but it's it, again age 43 it's just phenomenal to see that highest money he ever made in a season from what I can see is 3.8 million that's what he made in 93 and 94 with Oakland but again unfortunately that's uh his best seasons were his two in Boston because he was still a starter and starters were always accumulating more value. And then his two next best seasons were those first two in Cleveland. Um, the Indians, like I said, Diaz turned into an okay backup who they flipped for a pair of starters. It didn't, they didn't get much for this. And eventually, um, you know, Eckersley probably at his peak, let's be honest, a little bit overrated. Um, he was a very good closer, uh, a very good closer, but uh, he was kind of one of those first guys on the scene in terms of, for myself, when I think about like the early closers, it is someone like uh, Dennis Eckersley, and yes, he's he's got the weird thing where he had you know, 360, 361 games started, and like, uh, let's see, it'd be about 710 in relief. So, you know, he gets judged by what he did both sides of it uh, through his career. He is a six-time All-Star, won the Cy Young in Boston, two-time reliever of the year. Uh, No, I'm sorry, he didn't win the Cy Young in Boston. He had a high finish for the Cy Young. The only Cy Young came uh, in his time in Oakland. Uh, You know, he, one of those players, at the end of the day, you say he changed the game. And I think that is a fair... um, way to judge him it is interesting to look at his hall of fame statistics it's like his black ink you know the average score is a 40 his is an eight you know the average score for a hall of famer for the gray ink is 185 his is a 130 
Uh, Hall of Fame monitor in terms of pitching, 100 is average. He's at a 158. Hall of Fame standards, 50 in terms of pitching is average, and he's at about a 34. Um, it is harder to judge relievers, but when you do look at him as a reliever, that's that's what got him in more than anything else. Even though his best career years came as a starter, he uh, his best performance, what got him, you know, kind of elevated him to the player that we still remember is that time as a reliever. Uh, horrible trade for the Indians. One of the worst trades in franchise history. Definitely a trade that set them back. Um, you know, Rick Manning ended up having a career war of like 11.2 or something like that, I want to say. Um, in his three years in Cleveland, uh, Dennis Eckersley had more value to the Cleveland Indians than Rick Manning had for his entire career. And uh, that pretty much sums up the situation with the Indians and uh, Dennis Eckersley and the bad juju that exists there to this day. I want to thank our sponsors. I want to thank you all for listening, uh, rating, and reviewing. You are what makes this show great. I have been Jeff Ellis. You have been fantastic. And as always, go Tribe.